Five. All right. Well, good evening to the Thursday, November 10th, 2022 meeting of the Alameda Recreation and Parks Commission. Uh, to get going, that first item is the roll call. Commissioner uh, Jones. Here. Commissioner Wynn. Here. Vice Chair Alexander. Here. Here. And Chair Navarro. Present. Present. Okay. All present. Okay. And Vice Chair Robbins is out. I'm sorry. Yes. Commissioner you. Robbins. Uh, our next order of business is to approve the minutes from the October 13th, 2022 meeting of the commission. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes? I'll make a motion to approve the minutes. Okay, moved by Vice Chair Alexander. Uh, Could I get a second? I'll second. Okay, and the second by Commissioner Jones. Can I get a vote, please? Yes, Commissioner Jones. Uh, yes. Commissioner Wynn. Yes. Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. And yes. And Chair Navarro. Yes. Right. Okay. The minutes. So I'm shuffling my papers. Uh, so our next item is any written or oral communications on a topic that is not on tonight's agenda. And there's a three minute time limit per speaker. Do we have anyone? I don't have any written. So if anyone in the virtual audience, if you have anything not on the agenda, go ahead and raise your virtual hand. Uh, nope, no speakers. Okay. No, all right. All right, so the first item on tonight's agenda. We have item 6A, actually, I'm sorry. I, excuse me. We actually have our report, Director Apologies. No worries. Great, so I'll do my report. Um, so starting with recreation services, uh, we had to kick off meeting for 4th of July parade um, this last Tuesday to start the 2023 celebration. So it definitely takes plenty of time up front to start that planning. We have the Thanksgiving turkey dip that will take place at Emma Hood Swim Center starting at 7.30 uh, on Monday. And it's on Thanksgiving with registration starting November 21st. Uh, we have upcoming holiday opportunities such as breakfast with Santa, Santa's visits, and winter break camp. And we had a huge and successful haunted house event, our teen haunted house. We had um, over 2,000 people come to the haunted house. It was amazing. Uh, they are now shifting and, is it a lot of echo with me talking? Okay, let me see if I take off my little Can you hear me? Better? Um, so after the haunted house, they're now participating in a survey conducted by the Community Action Discussion 
and it's sponsored by the Youth Collaboratives, the Alameda Youth Collaboratives, and it's designed to discuss the needs of current teens and direct upcoming policy decisions. So they're working on that now. Um, Mastic Senior Center is entering the second week of evening programming. It's going great. We have over uh, 40 participants registered on Monday night. And Mastic Senior Center hosted the Halloween Parade and Treats for Children um, on October 31st and handed out candy. It was a lot of fun. That's the, uh, the kids from the, the adjacent um, preschool come over in, in, their, in their costumes. Um, we had 70 people participate in the Mastic Ice Cream Social on October 28th. And then they have the U.S. Air Force Band in the social hall and 110 people joined and loved it. Um, our transportation coordinator, Kat Caldas, has seen uh, a significant jump in registration for the free bus pass program. Uh, since July 2022, we've had 220 new participants signed up for free bus pass, and 62% of those are primarily Asian-speaking. Um, so we are working on ways to figure out um, better translation. Right now, now we're using Google, and, and so we're doing our best, but other translation services better assist. Um, uh, our customers. Um, we have a great success story with our senior connections, uh, Alameda Family Services. We had a 65-year-old woman looking for employment as a caregiver for a person in Alameda. Um, the case manager was able to place her with another senior who's a MASTIC member who was requesting caregiving services three days a week at an affordable rate. Um, they met, and it was a great fit, and, and uh, we were able to make that connection to provide care for that senior as well as um, income for, for the other senior visit caregivers. So it's, it's, it's just a nice success story of, of how this program is working. Um, at Lincoln Park, uh, not only is that fantastic, we're getting a ton of great uh, feedback from the community. We have our grand reopening this Thursday at 3 uh, We also had a community meeting on October 26th to talk about the basketball court. Um, it's really deteriorated, deteriorated, and um, a lot of it's because of the big tree that it's under and all the dropping. Um, in addition, we had that tree assessed. We did a really in-depth, called a level three uh, arborist assessment. It includes ground penetrating radar of the roots and imaging the interior of the tree, um, and it was determined that tree needs to be removed. Um, it's lost its structural integrity, so we will be informing the community and posting uh, about the tree. Um, once we remove that tree, then we will be redoing the entire basketball court, keeping it generally in the same area, but moving it a little bit closer to the pathway um, and making it full size. It's not currently full regulation size. Um, on the tree removals, we also have two large mature magnolia trees at Chichenio Park on Encinal, right off Encinal Avenue. Um, we had a community meeting on October 27th with about 15 people there. And um, same thing, we did this in-depth level three assessment. They cost about $3,000 per tree. It's very in-depth. They unfortunately also have interior structure and root decay and need to be removed. Um, both these two trees and the fig tree, um, they're all over uh, about 120 years old. So they're also just reaching life of their, the end of their lifespan. You know, like people, trees do have a lifespan, um, but it's really hard when large, beautiful, mature trees like this have to be removed. Um, so the, the neighbors actually were quite understanding. Um, we plan to uh, replace both of those trees 
um, as well as a couple oak trees at Lincoln Park with large 24 to 48-inch box trees that already have some canopy um, rather than your basic 15-gallon small saplings. Um, so we are working on that. Um, <clears throat> we've also started our athletic field renovations. I know we'll be talking about that more with um, our facility allocation policy, but we've applied about 1,000 yards of compost already to fields this year. Um, and, and, and getting the fields healthy and safe. Um, Bohol Im Circle Immigrant Park is opening, this plan is anticipated to open next week, so we're excited about that. And last few things, um, the City Council unanimously approved the City Aquatic Center at the Sweeney Park location, funded up to 50% from general fund unassigned reserves and with the balance from financing. Um, the actual mechanism is still to be determined, so I'm working with the finance department, and they're doing a financial analysis with an outside consultant. They'll be bringing that information back to city council for final confirmation of how it'll be funded. Um, we're also looking at costs, and, and really, if current construction costs continue, they're currently um, increasing at about 15% a year. Um, <clears throat> it could end up in a couple of years costing about $30 million to, to build the aquatic center. So we are, that's, that's kind of worst case scenario. We think with how the economy is going, it will be less, but we're trying to plan conservatively. Um, City Council also approved all three park names that you recommended to them, Seaplane Lagoon Promenade, Bohol Circle Immigrant Park, and Whale Park. So that was, and they were very complimentary of the commission and, and they were excited about the name. So, uh, Kudos to all of you because you worked hard on those names and, and I, I think it went really well. The community is receiving it well. Um, DePave Park, we are um, in the starting the planning. I uh, am in the middle of requests for proposals for design firms. They're submitting um, by October 18th and at the end of the month uh, we'll be interviewing and then bringing a final contract to city council. So I expect the work to start mid-January and uh, then probably around February or so, we will start having uh, public input meetings. Um, some community events coming up. Breakfast with Santa is December 10th at the Oak Club. We've got the annual rose pruning at Lincoln Park on January 21st. That's a cool event um, that we haven't really advertised as much, so we're trying to get more um, awareness about it. Uh, the East Bay Rose Society members provide a, a rose, free rose pruning demonstration to anyone who's interested. And then you can learn to prune uh, on, on the bushes there at Lincoln alongside the people who are real experts at it. Um, and then on February 4th, we have our Storytelling and Drumming Festival uh, at, at Mastic Senior Center. So uh, it was fantastic this year. It's only Last year, it's only going to be better this year with storytellers, puppetry, poetry, and drumming from around the world and free for the entire community. So that concludes my report. Okay, thank you. Were there any questions for Director Wildridge regarding her report? Happy to answer any questions. Any comments? What? Can't hear you. Anyone? Hear Sorry, can you hear me now? Oh. I'll hear. Sorry, go ahead. I'm having okay. sound issues. Okay. Um, anyone? Last chance? All right. Commissioner Wynn. Um, thank you, Director Woolwich, for your report. I actually appreciated hearing about 
understanding the Lincoln Park perspective because I will share my commission report that I did go ahead and visit that park and really appreciate just you guys doing that community involvement, but also knowing, you know, just that tree that un unfortunately has to be taken out being 120 years old. So um, I just appreciate hearing your report out. So thank you. Okay. Vice Chair Alexander. Um, I just want to thank Director Woolridge for her attendance at the city council meeting. I watched the um, council meeting as she presented the names to the council. And again, another excellent job, well done. Um, I do have a question about um, Svensson's Park. You and I have talked about that. Could you direct that as to why that was not brought to council? Can't hear you. You're on mute. Mute. Um, the park at Alameda Marina um, that you all recommended as uh, Fenton's Maritime Park or uh, Riveters Waterfront Park. Um, I was trying to get more. So per the uh, facility naming policy, um, when it's named after an actual person like Sven Svensson, uh, I'm supposed to do more uh, historical research on the name to, to ensure there's no issues in the background of that person. Um, I've been trying to get that done and that's been challenging to find someone to do that, uh, to do that historical work. So um, most likely what I'll be doing is bringing that in December um, to first get council, uh, 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 council's feedback on, on whether they're interested in moving and entertaining Svensson Maritime Park. And if they are, then I'll do, I'll keep working on doing the historical research on that name. Thank you for that. Um, I have one other um, question. Are there going to be official grand openings for Boho Park and the other parks, Whale Park and Seaplane Lagoon? Well, Seaplane Lagoon did have one, but are there going to be other celebrations at those parks? We absolutely will at Boho Circle Immigrant Park. Um, I'm, I'm working with uh, uh, staff in our city manager's office, our, our public information officer, and, and we plan to do an event. We were waiting to see when it opened and then just got word this week that it looks like it'll open next week. So we'll do a soft opening first and then we will do, uh, plan a, a great celebration. And I've been in contact with folks from Bohol Circle so that we can honor them when we do the grand opening. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, we actually have up next our commissioner reports. Anyone would like to share? Uh, Commissioner Jones, Commissioner Nguyen, either you like to speak? Commissioner Jones. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair uh, Navarro. Um, I attended the uh, holiday boutique this past weekend at the, uh, at the Oak Club. Uh, great turnout, um, lots of, of um, local uh, Folks with their wares, it was fantastic, and I, I, you know, commend the uh, the folks that brought um, their offerings uh, to share with the community. A great, uh, the most important thing was the space. Uh, there was plenty of space for people to um, uh, walk around. It wasn't, you know, too terribly crowded. So, just wanted to say I had a, a, a nice time. Thank you. Also, um, I um, noticed that uh, there's going to be a park named for 
this doesn't really have anything to do with us, but it kind of does. Our sister city, the city of Oakland, is naming a park after Will McKen. Um, so I, I wanted to, you know, find out a little bit more about how they, uh, what their name policy guidelines and parameters are. So I just, you know, just thought I'd bring that uh, information here. And that's all I have to do for. And Alameda is naming a section of Constitution Avenue after uh, Wilma Chan as well. Yes. Thank you. Hey, Commissioner Nguyen, would you like to report? Uh, yes, I'm happy to report. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I got a chance to visit Lincoln Park. Thank you, Director Ward, for, for letting us know about the reopening. Actually, uh, had a lot of uh, community members mention it. They really appreciate the park. They really like the, the new design. And so thanked us um, on behalf of just designing something really cool for, for the neighborhood. Um, they did mention um, something around this, like there were some of the slides where it might be a little bit steep. And so I'm not, I mean, obviously we can't do anything about that, but um, love to hear kind of how we chose the, the play structure and the, um, the slide, just so I can share that back with them in case um, I'm asked of that again. Um, I did get a chance to see um, a lot of the pickleballers. I didn't, I've never actually seen a pickleballer like or game. So it was interesting to kind of see this, this effort going on. So that was very fun and, and exciting. And um, did have a question about the basketball thing, but I think Director Woolridge commented on that. Um, and then I did get a chance to see the signage from the Boy Scout that uh, Director Woolridge mentioned last um, month. I thought it was really nice. I think his name is Ryan. So I just want to say kudos to Ryan and those who helped him with that. I thought it was a really nice design and um, seeing him present to actually seeing it implemented. Uh, that was really cool for me to kind of see that process through. Um, and the other thing I know last month, I um, mentioned, well, maybe last month or the month before, I can't remember when we were talking about um, unhoused individuals, and I was mentioning which park it was. It, it, it was actually on Clement in O-H-L-O-N-E. I saw a sign that said ARP, like was related to ARPD, but it's not a park. It's like a green area. So I don't know, Director Woolridge, if you're familiar with that green area behind this housing development, but that's where I saw the un, a lot of the unhoused individuals. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think overall, I wish I got a chance to visit the... the the Halloween thing, as I mentioned last month, but um, unfortunately wasn't able to attend, but happy to hear about the, the strong numbers that attended. So thank you. Um, regarding the slide, I mean, it is it, it does meet playground safety standards. Um, I, I also found I've, I've built, I don't know, dozens of playgrounds in my tenure in, in my profession, and I find that Oftentimes when you build open a new playground, especially if there's components people aren't quite familiar with, there's a initial concern about safety that in, an, in a couple of weeks usually fades when they find that that issue doesn't really play out. So I actually went down the slide myself. Um, and yes, it is steep and, and fast and generally kids will um, play to the level of their ability on playgrounds. That's what the, the playground safety inspections are, are based on. And so um, but we will track it if we find we're having um, issues and concerns and complaints or claims, then um, it's certainly something we could look at and, and ultimately replace the slide component if we needed to. 
Regarding the green area, I'm not really sure. You said off Clement. I'm having trouble tracking where you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's on Clement. It's like the, the crossway was Clement and O-H-L-O-N-E. So, you know, that big development on um, that's being built on Buena Vista. There's like a housing development that was built years ago. It, it There's a park between, not a park, but a green area between the boathouse, so like the marina and the housing development that had, it's on Clement Street. So in Clement and Ohlone, but I saw a sign that says ARPD, talk about the dogs, please leash, please make sure they're on a leash. And so I didn't see that park on our thing, but yeah. it did have an ARPD sign, I remember. I think you're mistaken. talking about, are you talking about over by Foz, um, Marina Cove Park? There's like a grass area and then there's also a, a bike path that goes to um, the playground? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so that's Marina Cove. Um, that's the name of the park? Yeah. It's oh, kind okay. of a default name, but um, it is on our map. Um, you mentioned there were a number of homeless folks mm -hmm. back there. Yeah, okay. so that was the park that I mentioned that, that I should have referred to. Not, it wasn't McKinley. It was that particular park. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we're, we're constantly reporting and working with our social services team. So we'll take, we'll take a look to make sure they get services. Thanks. Okay. And Vice Chair Alexander. Thank you. Um, I've also been up to Lincoln Park, took a lot of pictures, shared them with former directors. They are thrilled with the new park. They love the lion. Think they, that's the best part of the park. Um, I also noticed a lot of the wood from the trees. I know that we're leaving at the parks for kids to climb on. So that was really noticeable. And is there an old old, old bike rack still at that park by the little shed in the front. It sure looks like it's a bike rack, but is it? It's an antique if it is. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. it's a bike rack and yes, it's very antique. We need oh. to get some new bike racks there. Well, it was nice, but there were these two beautiful bikes that these kids just thrown on the ground there by the old shack. And I thought, well, I think there's a bike rack over there. Maybe we need to think about where we need to put that bike rack or something so the kids can do their bikes. Again, I attended the Holiday Boutique. That's been an annual tradition. Um, many years ago, I worked that boutique, set up that boutique. Um, I am thrilled that we continue to do that in this town for those people that have lived here a long time. They know that was started by uh, Director B. Rowney. And um, it's nice that some things continue after all these years. Um, I dropped by Mastic Center to see Marcus and his staff just to say hello. I hadn't seen them in a while and um, had a nice visit with them. Um, I drove by Franklin Park to see the new painted maintenance building that you mentioned it last month. Looks wonderful. Um, I also want to uh, give a shout out to Matt Nolan and his staff for getting that Lincoln Park done so quickly. I know that um, we promised the community be done by October and boy, we made that happen. So um, I really wanna commend them on that. So, and that's all I have to share. Thank you. All right, thank you. Um, I also was <laughs> at Lincoln Park this past month since our last meeting. Um, it's really fantastic. I've had a lot of children, uh, including my own play on it who love it. My son is first grader and he likes both play structures. So I think his words were, it's awesome mom. And he will be having his seventh birthday party at Lincoln Park now. So that was, that's a, a strong recommendation. Um, we also were able to attend the Alameda Teen Haunted House on its opening night. We were probably 
among the first 10 people to go there. Uh, it was really sweet. And I have to commend the teens that put it together because not only did it have, you know, scary, um, but they were very kind and had a special, less scary option for the younger set where they would carry a lantern. And so it took away some of the startling elements. So my first grader was able to enjoy it. It was his first haunted house. And then they got a little scary finger, like a little treat at the end and a bag. And so it was a really nice introduction to what a creative haunted house could be um, for people thinking about next year. It wasn't gory or gross or I don't know. It was very tasteful and yet still really fun and in the Halloween spirit. So I was happy to attend that. And it was really fun to see how creative these teens were with, you know, their, their crazy situations that they came up with in each room. Um, and last but not least, I was able to see the new solar walk along um, Bay Farm Island. And I wasn't sure how the signs would be in person when you see a scale diagram, but they're really lovely. They're easy to see. I saw people walking their dogs stopping at Earth when I was going down there. So that was nice to see. Um, yeah, really not much. Just try to get to the playgrounds as we can uh, during inclement weather. So thank you. Um, be curious to see how Chichenyo Park turns out without the trees because those are beautiful, but I understand the need for tree maintenance and I'd rather have it be safe around the play space than, than not. Uh, any other comments or additions to commissioner reports before we move on? I, I have a question. Um, will the trees that are being removed, um, will there be new trees installed or um, will that just be the tree removal and that's it? No, we'll remove the trees and then we will install, we'll plant large 24 to 48 inch box canopy trees to replace them. Great, thank you. As well as that whole area currently is grass and we'll put in drought tolerant landscape. Nice, thank you. Okay, moving on. The first item on tonight's main agenda is item 6A, just to review and approve tennis and pickleball court rules. Um, we have a presentation from Director Woldridge. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm not going to do a big, um, can you hear me okay? I'm really having sound issues tonight. Um, I wasn't gonna do a big presentation for this. Included in your packet is uh, both tennis court rules and pickleball court rules. They're basically the same thing, which is slight tweaks for each. Um, I reviewed court rules from a number of different public agencies, San Francisco Rec and Park, Pleasanton, Walnut Creek, Hayward Area Rec and Park District. Um, I also met with representatives from the Alameda Tennis Coalition to receive their feedback and they, um, we, they gave some really helpful tweaks and we finalized it from there and they approve of, of these rules. Um, so I'm happy to go over the rules that were included um, or we have a lot in our agenda. We can see if you have any questions and, and go from there. Were there any clarifying questions from the commissioners regarding the tennis court or pickleball court rules? No. Um, I have just one really quick question. I'm a tennis player um, and I actually play out of Washington Park. I just wanted to double check, what was the main change? Because I know that 
these rules are not exactly the same as the ones that are posted, which is what people commonly refer to. Um, is there any major change? I think the only one I noticed was about singles players at Washington Park. Right. Um, you're right. We didn't make a lot of changes. Um, that's a great question. So I'm scanning it. Um, I mean, one is keeping noise to an appropriate level, being respectful and no profanity, yelling or screaming aloud. Um, we were more clear about the reservations um, because with our allocation facility, athletic facility allocation policy, only up to 50% of the courts can be reserved at each facility at any time. And that's new as of when you approved it in this last January. So we added that. Um, we added some clarity around um, the grace period of when play can begin and when others are waiting to create, because we've had complaints about that flow um, and in terms of walk-on play and such. Um, you're right, we added that um, we've had issues with single players at Washington Park, which is our busiest court. Um, we've had issues with single players standing there and holding the court for really long periods of time. Um, and so the, this is the language that we agreed upon um, with the Alameda Tennis Coalition. The conversation was, well, sometimes, um, like my son plays tennis, and sometimes he likes to go to Lattica Court and just play by himself if he doesn't have someone to play with and uh, practice his serves, for example. Um, and they, they felt like that was fine for courts um, when there's not high demand, but when you have Washington Park where there is high demand, they felt like uh, courts really should be used by at least two people. Uh, so that was what we came to on that um, rule. Um, I think everything else is pretty either standard or, or pretty much was in there already. We just tried to clarify. Okay, and I have just one last question. Will the full set of rules be posted at Washington Park? Yes, once we, this is approved by the commission, this full set of rules, rules we will be posted at all of the tennis courts. Okay, thank you. Um, did you have any report that you wanted to give beyond this or? Um, not unless, I mean, we just covered a lot of them, so not unless there's any questions. Okay. I just had a question. Um, in terms of like enforcement of the rules, how does the enforcement happen? So obviously you have all the rules, but then, you know, a lot of this is done on time that, you know, the, the city's not working. So I'm curious, how do you guys enforce or how, what's the plan on enforcement if there are any? Well, it's, it's really like enforcement of, of any of our park rules, um, in some ways. Um, so for, so enforce, we've, for example, folk, we don't anticipate anyone call Alameda Police Department to enforce these rules, yeah. but, right? But um, what really helps when you have rules posted is that when there's disagreements or issues out on the courts, it's something that someone can point to saying, hey, look, that's the rule. For example, like we just talked about, you're a single player at Washington Park, that's not allowed. And it gives them something to point to. Um, I would say similar with our park rules and regulations, those have more teeth, like no drinking in parks, things like that. Someone that actually police department could cite someone for that, but there's some like no smoking that in parks that it's unlikely police would come cite on that, but it gives it something again, where someone can point to it and say, hey, there's no smoke in the park. Can you please move it out? Um, so that's really uh, where signs are helpful. Okay, and so as a clarification point, so essentially let's say if, um, one of these rules, someone keeps, you know, 
you know, complaining that this is not happening, even though these rules are posted now? Is that something that they would, you know, share with, you know, someone from your team and, and follow those complaints? And then you kind of track that as it goes along and then have a discussion point later on, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, if there's really an issue and there's a person who's an ongoing offender, um, we would certainly do our best to to connect with that person and 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 work with them to find resolution. Uh, thanks. I see private tennis lessons, and I don't know whether they're ARPG lessons or whether someone has reserved the court to provide those lessons. If I'm going to reserve that court to teach a private lesson and I have my permit, is, do I have a permit to show someone if they come up to ask me, you know, are you with ARPG or is this a private lesson? And if you, you know, reserve the court? Yes, anyone who's reserved a court will have a permit and they can either print it out or they can have it on their phone to show people. Um, and in fact, uh, it's on here somewhere that you you need to be able to, to, to show your permit upon request. So, um, and the private lessons, a lot of them are ours, so that does not require a permit. But um, people, we do have a, a rate in the user fee schedule um, that if you want to use it for private tennis lessons, it's a significantly higher rate. But let's say I didn't want to get a permit and I take my tennis balls and take the person down I want to teach and the court's open. Can I go in and have that for my time without having to have a permit? Well, it, courts are, yeah, I mean, we, we can't really manage that. We don't have the staffing. So courts are first come first serve unless someone um, has a permit. And then the person who has a permit has priority on that court. Correct. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, as time, I'd like to open up to public comment. Uh, any comments on item 6A? I do have a speaker, uh, Speaker McCaskill. All right. Welcome, Speaker McCaskill. Let me unmute myself. Hi there. Hey, everybody. Hello. So um, this is, pertains to not just tennis or pickleball, but um, in regards to enforcement of the permit situation, what is the procedure or policy that ARPD would like to go through if, you know, if you get into a conflict situation, like, you know, I don't want anybody to go to play tennis or whatever it may be. Um, and someone has a permit and someone else says, you know, screw you, I'm playing no matter what. Is there some type of process that ARPD has uh, put into place to kind of eliminate conflict and minimize the potential of any, you know, threats or whatever? Um, so through the chair do you want do you want me to directly answer usually we don't directly answer speakers questions but i'm happy to all right uh as we're keeping this agenda item rather short um if you'd like to answer the question yeah i limit it to public comment but this yeah is typical. yeah if you're interested in the answer I'm, I'm happy to um so uh that's why so we for all of our permits whether it's fields gym tennis courts um, if you have a, we tell all of our people who uh, res reserve, if you have a, a permit, you need to have that permit with you at, at the athletic facility so that you can show it when there's a disagreement. Um, our system does not allow 
users to does not allow us to, to double book permits. So people might say, I have a permit also, but I don't have it with me. Our system does not allow for double booking. It's not possible. So, um, you know, can we eliminate all disagreements and people trying to make their way onto a facility when they don't have a permit? No, there's human nature, but we recommend people contact uh, Alameda Police, the non-emergency line. I actually just recently went and went to all of four lineups um, at Alap Alameda PD. So I had what that means is I had an opportunity to speak to every single officer who's out there on the street. And I um, talked to them about permits and what our system looks like. And so they now understand that if they get called out to a field or a tennis court and someone says, look, I have my permit and they're able to show it, the police officers know, then that's legitimate. And if the other person does not have a permit, there is no double booking and they don't have the, the, the facility. So um, we're doing our best to create kind of wraparound so, so, uh, so, so that everyone's aware of what the system is. All right, thank you, Director Wildrich. Um, are there any more comments from the commissioners regarding item 6A? All right, well, I would like to say that as a tennis player who has run into conflict at Washington Park, um, I am going to keep a copy of these rules handy in my tennis bag because people will frequently ask, oh yeah, point to the rule that says that, and now I can actually have a physical copy. Um, it's generally not an issue at many of the city parks. So I, I thank you for updating these. And I think it's also probably helpful to have the same rules for the pickleball courts. Because um, I know that there's a lot of people that use them and maybe they're not sure what the rules are for court usage. Um, and sometimes there's a discrepancy between previous custom and actual rules. And then there's often disagreements in that delta. So I wanna say thank you. Um, and the next item was, do I have a motion to approve the recommended rules as presented by the department? Anyone? I motion. I motion to approve the rules for the tennis and pickleball um, as as uh, mentioned here. Right. I have a motion. Do I have a second? I'll second, second that. Right. A second by Vice Chair Alexander. Could I get a roll call vote, please? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Jones. Yes. And. Commissioner Wen. Yes. Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. Is that a yes? I didn't hear it. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Thank yes. you. Chair Navarro. Uh, yes. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, so it will take a few weeks, but we'll get those posted on all the facilities as soon as possible. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, the next item on the agenda for this evening is item 6B. This is an item that I actually had brought, asked to be brought up. This is uh, the BMX Park Feasibility Study and discussion of next steps. Commissioner Wildridge, or Director Wildridge. Yes, thank you. Um, so for a brief presentation, um, this commission is part of um, some funds that we had from the this current fiscal um, fiscal year, this current budget. Um, we conducted a feasibility study on, on the existing conditions and, and the feasibility of putting uh, BMX Park um, just uh, west of the the 
in the Alameda, future Alameda Point Regional Sports Complex and just west of the skate park um, and right off West Red Line Avenue. Um, it's important to note that this area would be, um, would inundate when there's king tide events um, and with anticipated sea level rise by 2050. So that's part of the thought process and looking at this site and, and um, and part of the feasibility study. Um, there are utilities available in West Red Line Avenue. They are old Navy utilities. Um, when the VA, the Vets Administration, uh, builds their um, outpatient clinic and columbarium, in anticipation of that, the VA will be replacing all of the main utilities in that corridor in future years. Um, the exact timeline really is unknown. We've heard a number of timelines from the VA. Um, could be in the next few years. Um, but the feasibility study does state that the utility replacement is not necessary so so that those utilities um, are fine to support the BMX park um, that includes storm drainage, um, domestic water and electrical. So we could connect to what's existing in the street. Um, Monarch Street, which is where Faction Brewery and, and Hangar One is, that street um, bisects the, the BMX park into two sections. And that street access and the width of a street does need to remain. So we need to keep that in mind um, because that street will be the main, one of the main corridors to the future Alameda Point Regional Sports Complex. Um, so that basically splits into two. Um, this report puts option A as being on the Eastern side, closer to the skate park and option B being more West on the West side of Monarch Avenue. So, um, and we could do one or both as BMX park. Um, for option A on the Eastern side, there are utilities there that would need to be re removed and some would need to be preserved. Um, on the West side, uh, and actually, sorry, on, on the east side, um, that would also have to come up about three and a half feet. Um, so we would need some additional soil. Uh, on the west side, it could remain at its current elevation. Um, there is some pavement to remove um, and there are existing utilities, but they could be abandoned and in place, which means it doesn't really cost, it doesn't cost anything because they don't have to be fully removed unless you want to, you can just leave them there in the ground. Um, we would need some utilities to service the actual BMX park. So while, um, for example, water, the, the we can connect to the water main in the street, we would need new pipes for, for water service to the park uh, for things like drinking fountains. Um, you also need water to be able to water down the dirt to be able to maintain it. Um, <clears throat> we would also most likely need electrical service, which may need a new transformer. So, um, Overall, BMX Park is absolutely feasible at this location. Um, what the next steps are, um, I would recommend, so in at the next meeting in December, um, we're going to start bringing to you every December, this is actually a requirement in the, in the new general plan, city general plan, that we bring you a park, park project priority list. So our parks manager and I will detail out all of the park projects and basically put them as small, medium, and large in terms of level of staff effort um, to give you a sense of what we're working on, what's coming down the pipeline. I will include this in that list. Um, before you make an actual decision on moving forward on this, I would recommend you look at the whole list because um, <clears throat> all projects require staff time. This one will require a pretty significant amount of staff time. Uh, and I'd really like you as a commission to look at 
have the whole holistic picture before decisions are made. Um, if you confirm this as a priority, uh, the BMX park then would be, we would bring it to, I would bring it to city council for their final concept approval of their stamp of yes, we wanna have to do a BMX park at this location. Um, if that's a yes, then um, we could use funds from the Alameda Regional Sports Complex um, to fund the design portion of this project. Um, and then we, the, what that design process would include is issuing requests for proposals for BMX park designers. It's a very specific specialty that we'd wanna make sure they've done that before. Uh, we would engage the public on the design um, and finalize that design. You, know, you would make a recommendation, uh, recommendation on the design and then final approval by city council. Once that design is approved um, or even before it's approved, we need to identify construction funding. Um, I'm anticipating it would cost at least $750,000. Um, the actual cost of it is a huge unknown. In my opinion, um, you heard me mention earlier that construction costs have been going up. They, they went up 15% in 2021. Um, so we wouldn't really know the total cost for this until we do the design, really, you know, because one informs the other. And when we do the design, that would be a requirement as they give us um, what's called an engineer's estimate, which is is a, a good construction cost estimate. estimate. <clears throat> it also depends what design we end up with. If we want to do the surfacing as asphalt or concrete, which lasts longer, has less maintenance, but costs more to build, or we could do it as dirt, or we could use a polymer to, for, for better maintenance. So um, depends on what type of amenities are included. So things like that all affect the cost. Um, so there are some small private grants, um, potentially some other state recreational grants, um, but most likely would uh, require a decent amount of city funding portion as well. Um, so that concludes my report. Happy to answer any questions. Are there any clarifying questions from the commissioners before we open this up to public comment? I have one. Vice Chair? Um, when we talked about this before, um, I may be asking the same question again. Um, is this BMX park going to be something just that's open all day, like the skateboard park, where kids can come and ride their bikes or whatever, and then closed at night? Or is this going to be something where on the weekends we're having special races that like, you know, tournaments or something. And I'm really concerned about the overall cost to the city. Are we going to get any of this money back from any of the programs that are there? Or am I asking these questions too early? Um, you're not asking them too early. They're, they're some of the right questions. Um, I would strongly recommend a BMX park that's open to the public, um, similar to the skate park. It's closed at dark, just like our parks are, unless it's lighted. Um, I know what was presented to you before, um, came from a resident who's very interested and and she was she is still very interested and and she has a lot of great ideas about um, the type of facility we could build that would lend itself to um, hosting races and camps and clinics and things like that. Um, I, I need to do more research on understanding what the community needs are around a BMX park. Um, there's I have personally visited a lot of BMX parks in the area, one in Novato, one in Pleasanton, there's one in Richmond. Um, those are all open to the public. They're all dirt. Um, I know that they host camps at some of them. So there is some revenue that you get back. Um, 
but I, it's very similar to the skate park. It would be very, very similar where really it costs more than the revenue you bring in, but you're doing it because it's a community amenity that fills a need and provides an outlet for kids uh, and adults. Um, so really that's why we would be doing it. So the skate park is similar. I mean, we we hold camps in some clinics, so we get a smaller amount of revenue, but it's it's not what's required to, to, main, to cover all costs of maintenance. Thank you. And also back at the time when we did discuss that, um, there was some talk about a GoFundMe page that they were going to do to see if they could raise some money for the startup to look at this. Did you know if they ever, that was ever done? Um, it, it, it wasn't because we, we kind of stopped it and said, let's, let's make sure that site is feasible first. So, um, so I, I put a hold on that. Um, I do think there's a, you know, the, the person that you, you heard from is, is very motivated to raise money. So I think she's very interested in raising funds. Um, she says she knows some contractors who might be willing to do some either, if not pro bono, some, some at cost work. So, you know, there are opportunities out there to do it for less, but I think first we need to know what the design, what this, our community wants in a design, and then that will inform the cost. And then we figure out how to fundraise it or, or get it at a lower cost. Thank you. You're welcome. Commissioner Nguyen? Uh, I just had a follow-up again on the cost of this. So uh, Director Ward, just could you clarify a little bit for me? I know we're jumping all the way towards like the how much it costs, which is what you share design first, community input and all of those things. Um, but if in the event that this is like move forward formally, um, in terms of the funding piece, it, like you obviously have to figure out the funding, but is that something like a measure, like, you know, we have to create a measure in order to identify it if we don't have the funds or if we don't have the funds, then we're definitely not going to build. Or could you share a little bit more of that particular process if you can with us? Sure. So um, when you say create a measure, I think you mean like a, a measure on the ballot. Yeah. You know, like yeah. how, like, say, for example, like there's a parcel tax to fund, you know, whatever initiative right. in the city. So we would not do a parcel tax or some sort of revenue measure for a, an amount as small as 750,000. Usually you do that more for the tens of millions of dollars. Like we could potentially do one for the city aquatic center for 30 million. And that would make sense because there's a lot of effort and energy that goes into those revenue measures. Um, where the funding would come from is it, it, it could come from a variety of sources like, uh, you know, Vice Chair Alexander mentioned, you know, GoFundMe that would, you know, could raise a small portion like 50,000. Um, the one in Novato uh, was 500,000 to build. Um, it's larger than this. And it, um, that was maybe 10 years ago. Um, but I, I was really interested in it it's at Stafford Lake and um, because it was fully funded by donations and they have a huge board out there that's all corporate um, donations, everything from Mike's Bikes to Kaiser. And, and so so corporate funding, um, they had both local business and bigger businesses. So that's a possibility too. Um, honestly, what something like that takes is, um, is community support and a, and a group of dedicated people willing to go pound the pavement to track down those funds, because that's something that my department, my staff just doesn't have the bandwidth to do um, with all of the other projects and programs we're managing. Um, but it's totally possible. Um, and then potentially some city funding and potentially grants that we can 
right? If we don't, you, you mentioned like, what do we do if we don't find the funding? It means the design sits until we find the funding. Um, and, and that's not, unfortunately, it's not too unusual. A Sweeney Park could be a good example that we have the design, but we're still looking for funding for the, the other two phases. Um, and, you know, or same with the city aquatic center, we're trying to figure out how to fund it. So sometimes you, you have a design and then, and then you try and you kind of shop that design around to see how you can fund it. Thank you. You're welcome. At this time, I'd like to open it up for public comment on item 6B. Do you have anyone in attendance who'd like to speak on this matter? Uh, so please raise your virtual hand if you'd like to speak. We do not have any speakers at this time. Okay. Was there any further comments from the commissioners? Um, okay, well, I'll speak briefly. Uh, thank you for bringing this back up. Um, this was really helpful. I know that I have gotten asked about the status of this from the people that brought this to us about a year ago. Um, I... I don't know if we need to commit to to moving forward today. My understanding is that maybe we do want to see where this falls in the the broader spectrum of priorities as we go forward. But now we have an idea of if it is possible and what the funding commitment would possibly be. Um, if anyone else has any thoughts on that, but I think. I have no problem with us looking at it again in, in December with the list and to prioritize what we might want to do. I have no problem with it being put on that list and we can discuss it more at that time. Yeah, I guess I personally would like to see this at least make that list so we can evaluate it in relation to other items and also have public comment on maybe what is you know, this or other items might be more pressing for the public. And what we'll do for that priority list is we'll bring, it'll be kind of a matrix of, of here's all the projects, here's ones that we're actively engaged in, um, here's ones we know are coming down the pipeline, like the second phase of Estuary Park, we know it's got grant funding, um, but here's the timeline of when it'll get started, for example. Um, and then I have a number of projects that um, um, are like this that are still a little more amorphous um, that I'd, I'd like your feedback on and, and direction of of how much effort you want us to put in and amorphous is probably the wrong word but but the ones that aren't that still are really in a very just con con conceptual phase um, and then with that we'll really be putting like kind of small medium large in terms of staff time needed for each project All right okay um, so, sorry, Director, Director Roy, just um, I know that the chair brought this back up to us on this meeting. So in terms of discussion today, is it more, I guess, are we trying to decide if it's going to be on that list, if that's a decision that we need to make right now? Is that kind of what you're looking for from us or can you clarify? No, thank you. Um, I'll go ahead and include it on the list so that we can you can all have further discussion about it. Um, I just wanted to make sure that you had the information from the feasibility study in front of you before you're discussing it in the larger context of the list. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, are we actually are we able to go back and have comment? I see a hand was raised right after I closed comment. Uh, it's it's up to you as chair. All right. Uh, 
We have one person. Are you, if your hand is up, you are speaking item 6B, the BMX park. I have speaker Carter. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I was gonna speak about, I'm hoping there's basketball on the priority list. I'll lower my hand now. Okay, well, that's not on item 6B. Um, okay, I guess if there's no further comment, uh, this was really helpful just to get a copy of the feasibility study and now it's out in the public domain for others to see. So thank you. Um, if there's no further comment, I suggest we move on to item 6C on tonight's agenda, which is to review and approve the updated athletic facility use and allocation policy. Uh, yes. Director Woodridge. Thank you. So what I'm gonna do is share my screen and a, see if I can get this going. All right. Um, so this is a draft athletic facility allocation policy before you tonight that's included in the packet. Um, please note that I uploaded a, a slightly different version in the in um, that you got uh, this morning and, and I'll talk about what the change was in a minute. Um, so in terms of background, uh, you approved the athletic facility allocation policy this past January 2022. Um, now that we've had uh, nearly a year working within this policy, um, these revisions that we are suggesting are proposed to provide, we feel, is greater clarity. So issues that have come up um, and, and where questions have come up and or, or where we've seen issues. Um, most of these major changes we already discussed with the user groups at the fall uh, field allocation meeting and, and groups were all groups, um, gym, swim, and fields were notified of this meeting and the proposed changes. Um, so this is always our goal to make public athletic facilities available to as many youth as possible for a variety of recreational um, opportunities. Um, here's, I'm gonna go through a few pages to highlight what the revisions are for this, um, this draft, this policy before you. Um, regards to payment, we, um, still have groups we the the worst offender um took nine months to pay their invoice um and then still wanted to be in in the allocation uh that they normally would be in and it took a lot of staff time working on on tracking down that payment so we are wanting to tighten that up and we're asking that um invoices must be paid within 30 days of receipt. Um, so when we send them an invoice, which is at the end of the season, um, the organizations must pay it within 30 days or they'll lose their allocation status for the next season. Um, we also are wanting just, this is basically already the case that they have to submit their paperwork by the deadline. Um, we wanna really be clear that you, you have to submit all the pet, paperwork or, or you you lose stand to lose your allocation status for the for that season that you're applying for um we also in the um clarified the scheduled process uh in this policy and basically detailed it out step by step of what that would look like um and <clears throat> one change that we made is that um we will allow one comprehensive set of changes after the permit is issued. Um, and what that will look like, I'm trying to find the right page, but basically what that looks like here is that um, the process is that organizations would submit their facility allocation request package and all the attachments and any payment um, 
by the deadline. Um, ARPD, as we currently do, um, our staff would then put together the whole puzzle piece of scheduling, um, issue the permits to all of the user groups. Um, those user groups then can come back to us and say, well, we now have a better idea. For example, we've had our tryouts and we have a better idea of what our, all of our teams are and what our schedule is. And so we wanna make these changes. So they can put together all of those changes, submit those changes to us in one package. Um, we uh, make the changes as feasible of what fits in the schedule. Um, and then, you know, based on availability, but not based on priority level because the schedules were already set based on, you know, gender and, and everything that's laid out in the priority schedule. Um, so we'll make those changes. And then we issue a final permit and that's the final permit. If organizations want changes after that, um, we then charge $20 per change per our user fee schedule. Um, <clears throat> the reason we're doing this is because organizations are continuing to come back to staff um, every week, every few days after the permits are issued. Well, we wanna change this. Well, we wanna move this and we wanna, you know, delete this and not pay for it anymore. And, and you know, it's, it's both takes a lot of staff time. Every, every, every change takes a significant amount of staff time. And when people are, when organizations are deleting time, um, it means it's time that that field or gym space is now no longer, unless we can find someone else to fill it, it potentially goes empty when someone else could have used it. And we have a lot of groups not getting, really no one's getting all of the time that they need and want on the fields and the gym. So that was the reasoning behind this. And we did look at other policies um, in other cities like Dublin and, and they also have uh, similar frameworks. Some other revisions. We have three fields, at, three facilities at Main Street, Linear, Rittler and Godfrey Parks where they're really quite large in terms of the amount of grass field available. We've been renting those as one field, but the organizations use them as two, sometimes three fields. Um, and so really we feel like it's more fair and allows more opportunity for different groups to use the fields if we rent these specific ones as two fields, because they are two full regulation size fields will fit in each of these facilities. So that's another change. We also... Um, adjusted the allocation season for fields to accommodate field maintenance closures that I'll talk about in a minute. And we added a winter season at Estuary Park. So because we're doing longer maintenance closures during the winter now, um, we are, are, are uh, doing allocation at Estuary Park, our synthetic field, um, as its own separate season uh, for to, to make that bridge. Um, we also made some changes to the tennis reservations because, or the tennis allocation, because we we met uh, in depth with the tennis team representatives, and they were really struggling with the with what we had put out, and that that was, as you may recall, back in January, that was new that we included tennis courts, um, and pickleball courts in the facility allocation because um, a number of the the local ones like Harbor Bay no longer rent to outside organizations, so we got a lot more organizations. And a lot more teams. And so we set up a system. They tried to work within it. It wasn't really working for them. So we met with them and, and together collaborated and came up with a system that does work with them and their USTA scheduling. 
We also just added more information on heat illness um, and some additional rules and regulations um, for safety. Um, in terms of the field maintenance closures, so this is new. Um, our fields are extremely, are, these are our grass fields, are extremely heavily used. Um, a number of them are used during the day by schools for PE and, and, and lunch and breaks. And then they're used after school and then and weekends by users, <clears throat> by the community. Um, so these fields just really never get a rest. Um, plus here in Alameda, there's a really, we wanna make sure they're safe. That's our baseline. Um, <clears throat> but there's also a really high expectation by users um, here that, that we have really good fields and, and we're, we're fine with that, but we need to be able to give the fields the rest and the care that they need to meet those high expectations. So that's what these closures are. So we can do the composting, the overseeding and the other work we need to do to maintain high quality fields. <clears throat> we did uh, bring this to our fall user fee, uh, user allocation meeting, plus um, given additional feedback I got this week, um, I, it, the change I sent to you, the, the revised version, um, really was to clarify the language on these field closures. This is the revised language, excuse me, <clears throat> that our rectangular fields will be generally closed November to March and May to June. Um, what we did this year is in this is we um, rotate the schedule. So starting the first week of November, we close two fields. Then the next week we close two more fields and it goes from there. And then on the back end, we open up those two fields that got closed first. We open them up first and then we open up two more each week. We will be opening them sooner if they are in condition to be opened. We recognize that baseball has a different season and baseball fields are not as heavily impacted as rectangular fields are. Um, really as soccer and football have the most significant impact on the condition of the grass fields. Um, you know, baseball, as you can imagine, they're really, a lot of the work is in the infield and the dirt um, and not as much impact on the grass. So baseball fields will generally be closed November to early February. They don't have any season. They're, they're not running any programs during that time anyway. Um, we may still need to close May and June, but we don't intend to at this point. That would be on a case-by-case -case basis for baseball. Um, and then uh, as we did this season, uh, all closures, and we'll do, we'll continue to do better at this, but we'll make sure we communicate with all users prior to the allocation season of what that closure schedule will look like. Um, and we'll be coordinating to minimize impacts on their schedules because <clears throat> we want kids to be playing out there. Um, so with that, um, Oh, we also added some language on closures due to, to inclement weather and outside conditions. So we already had information, we've had information in there a long time for a long time about wet weather. We clarified what excessive heat is <clears throat> that will close. And that's um, that's all that's both gym and fields. Um, if the temperature is 90 degrees or higher, or there's an excessive heat warning issued. And then poor air quality, we would close it if it's uh, 150 or above, which is in the red. As with our wet weather, we'll, we'll be posting those on our closure line by two o'clock each day um, and groups won't be charged, will not be charged for, for those closures. Um, I think that concludes, yeah, my report and I'm happy to answer any questions.
Commissioners, any questions before we open this to public comment? Um, I, have a, I have a quick question, and only because I've been asked about the soccer field closures, for example. I see on the agenda that this is to review and approve the field policy. My understanding were those changes are new, but are they already being put into effect? I guess if we don't approve the field closures, what happens? I guess is well like retroactively approving something that's already being put into effect. Well, what what we did this season is there were some fields that were in really really terrible shape, and um, those are the ones we closed first. Um, and so those were closed maybe a week or two before they normally would be. Um, so it didn't, you know, we, we worked pretty, we talked a lot to the, to the user groups to make that work. Um, the field closures for one is only a portion of what, of the whole policy that you're, you're approving. So I understand what you're saying about retroactive, but, um, yes, we made a decision this, this winter that we really needed to, to address some of the field safety issues and went ahead and closed it. If this, if this commission gives me feedback that some of these closures are just not acceptable, then, then we write what you're willing to accept into the policy and that's what we do moving forward. Um, it just comes with the caveat that, that then we will not be able to maintain fields to the level that's expected by the users. Okay, I just didn't know like, you know, if we're approving it, but it's already being done, it's sort of de facto already been approved by the department. I yep. guess wondering like why bring it if we're not actually approving anything that was just sort of a procedural question right well because I'm getting grief for field closures that I'm like I haven't seen this I don't know mm -hmm. but I just wondered procedurally what we're doing right so you're you're approving for moving forward right um so I'm sorry if I got ahead of the commission I apologize um we really didn't you know we we closed starting November 6th and normally they're they're done um, by generally the end of next week. So like I said, there were only a couple fields, um, two or three fields that were closed prior to when they normally would have been closed. So I don't feel like we got that far ahead, but if we did, I apologize. But what you're approving is both all of the changes to the policy and in regards to field closures, um, if you want us to continue doing this moving forward, or if you tell me, nope, this is not what we want, we need to figure it out with the fields, then, then that's feedback as well. Okay. Uh, were there any other questions from the commissioners? I see Commissioner Nguyen. Um, uh, Director Forward, can I just clarify um, about the field closure? I think everything else I kind of understand, but um, on page eight, it says generally all fields are closed for four months in November through March and for two months in May to June. So am I to assume in this like statement here that you're saying that all the fields are closed from November to March for four months from November to March, or is it some, they might be closed sometime, like maybe for two weeks or three weeks, or is it for four, like for full, sorry, so for full four months, sorry, uh, can't speak right now. So you have the most updated one that um, that was issued this posted this morning um, because I clarified that in terms of baseball and and um, um, that baseball is only closed November to the first to early February. Um, I use the word generally in there because I want the policy to be high level. Um, we still we will open fields when they are playable into the condition the community. Um, is looking for. So 
Um, we might find that we don't need four months every single year, but right now some of the fields are in such poor condition that we really needed that to get them back. Um, so we'll be closing fields for the period of time to get them to the good condition and playability. Sometimes that might take four months. It also depends on the weather and it gives us um, that, op it, the, that time frame gives us the time to, um, so, uh, you know, if, if it's really wet, if it's really cold, grass doesn't grow when it's cold. And we saw that even with this cold snap that came through, we did, we were starting to renovate some of our fields. And as I mentioned, like at Lidecker, we did a, some terrible condition. We did a bunch of overseeding and compost and it was growing great. And then the cold came and it just stopped growing. So um, <clears throat> I know it sounds like a long period of time, but, but that's what's needed. Um, two or three weeks will never do what's needed for a field. Grass just needs longer than that to rest or recuperate. And even prior, fields were always closed and because, and, and, you know, outside sports aren't running from generally Thanksgiving or the week before, and then start up again, uh, <clears throat> end of February. So there are some like lacrosse that, that, um, play during that time, but they've been using the synthetic turf field. Um, and just as a follow-up, sorry for um, looking at the, the, not the latest draft, but for the golf commission or the, you know, the golf that we have going on, do they, do they have some sort of closure schedule that, I mean, that you know of, um, that, cause I feel like, you know, if we're looking at grass similar, they have get, you know, golf is a lot of grass and would have to do a lot of reseeding. Do you have any knowledge on that? Um, close certain sections sometimes, but it's it's very different use, right? So in golf, you have, yes, they're wearing spikes on their shoes, but they're walking, they're they're walking to the tee, they tee off, and then they either walk to their ball or a lot of times get in the cart on the cart path and take the cart path over to their ball. Um, versus soccer cleats or football cleats where you're digging in and pushing off and, and cutting. And, and, and every time a, a kid or an adult, you know, puts their foot down and pivots, it pushes into the grass and it creates a little divot in the grass. So it's a significantly different use than I would say than golf. Got it. Thank you. Welcome. Vice Chair Alexander, did you have a, com a question? Well, first of all, I want to thank staff again for all their hard work. I know that the first proposal that we looked at was very well done, and I appreciate the changes. Um, I know our fields get used a lot. I can speak to that as a former park director. Um, the park I was at was busy 24-7. Um, so I understand the need for us to close the field and get them in the best shape. Um, would it help? if we had more staff to reseed these fields or is it just the time element too that it takes for the grass to grow and everything to come back? You know, it's a little bit of both. We can always use more staff, um, you know, so if we had more staff and we had all the staff that we needed, we could close everything all at once. We, they could, this army of staff could be out there at all of our, I don't know off the top of my head how many fields, but at least 10 or 15, 20 fields um, and, and doing that work all at once but there is just grass just needs time to grow. Um, and, and kind of back to the golf reference, actually, when we've been, Greenwood Golf has been renovating the golf courses. Um, some people are like, why is it closed for so long? I can see the grass out there, but it literally takes nine months for that grass to grow in when they, when they see it to, to, and sometimes even longer, depending on the weather. So part of the time is just the time it takes 
for nature to take its course. Thank you. Okay, at this time, I'd like to open it up for public comment. Oh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Jones, last question. Yes, just a quick question. Um, so for the um, field maintenance, I understand the, um, the time parameters, if you will. Is that um, work that needs to be done at the fields? This, so in other words, are, this, are the facilities going to be closed during, those area, during that time as well as, as the fields? So uh, referencing the gym, for example, how to Alameda Point, will that close as well as fields being closed? No, or not at all. Or is it kind of a staggering um, process? Right, it's it's only the outdoor grass field. So the synthetic turf field will still be open. The gym, absolutely. I mean, that's the heaviest season is during the winter at the gym. Um, so it's only the grass field so we can actually get the grass to regrow. Uh, I mean, there's fields that have huge areas of just bare dirt because it's just worn down so much. Um, you know, especially areas in, in front of the goal box and things like that, where there's just so much damage to the turf that's done. So it's only the grass fields. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, at this time, you can open up to public comment on item 6C. Do you have any speakers? Please raise your hand. I don't see. We have Speaker Kulichi. Welcome, Speaker Kulichi. Thank you. Can you hear me? We can. Okay, good. Uh, thank you and good evening. Jim Quillacy from Alameda Little League. I'm a board member with the league. I'm speaking tonight on behalf of President Ron Matthews and the league. He's on vacation. Amy addressed some of the concerns that we had, and we put this in a letter that came out earlier this week. I was going to paraphrase from that, but I think now I don't need to. If fields for little league stay open through or closed till early february that works i think the part that had us hyperventilating a little bit was uh, the closures announced for may and june had we done that that would effectively kill over half the season the kids under 10 would not be able to play because they use rittler for game uh events and we've got of course practices at little john at godfrey i think at lincoln and perhaps uh, Tillman. I'm not sure what the schedule is these days. At any rate, I would implore the Park and Rec Commission members to keep the fields used by Little League open till about when school gets out in June. That's when the last regular season games are played. After that, we've got postseason, but we can squeeze all that onto the two fields thereby would. Uh, so that's the ask. We totally agree that maintenance needs to be made on the fields. I would say that the Little League fields, the baseball diamonds, are not nearly as stressed as Alameda Point is. They, that could probably use a full year of closure to get those things right again. Uh, anyway, I'm glad to hear that there is at least some revision to the revisions. And again, if Little League could have the fields open till early June, you could do all the work you want after that to get them ready for whoever uses them in the fall. Thank you for your time. Chair Navarro, could I address that for a second? Uh, I just want to, yes. uh, sorry, I just want to clarify um, because the current language that you have before you, um, baseball fields are 
held separate from rectangular fields, because as I mentioned in my presentation, they have less wear and tear on the grass. So what, what you have in front of you states that baseball fields are generally closed November through early February, which is when they start. Um, and then it says on a case by case basis as needed in late spring, summer. So we took the feedback into account. We recognize I left it vague because you know, we'll work with schedules. Um, but, you know, I have met with our parks maintenance staff and they don't think that the baseball fields will be an issue. Um, and, and most of them won't need renovation in um, even late spring, summer, but late spring, summer would be after their program is done end of June uh, into July. So we don't anticipate any impacts to the baseball season. And then I do have other speakers. I have Speaker DeMont. Thank you. Uh, good evening. Uh, can you hear me okay? We can. Welcome. Welcome. Th well, thank you. I appreciate it. And so, um, first of all, my name is Steve Dumont. I am also with Alameda Little League. I also um, coach and, and volunteer for a couple of other organizations within Alameda using uh, the fields. I just want to first say, um, thank you to Director Woolridge and the Commission for your work and for your engagement with uh, all of our uh, organizations. I've had nothing but uh, great experience with uh, ARPD. Uh, the staff there at, at ARPD has been very helpful and supportive of me and the chaos uh, being the Director of Fields for Little League. Um, I won't rehash um, what Jim, Jim had just mentioned. Um, I think it's, it's very refreshing to hear that there's been some adjustments and acknowledgement um, with the differences with some of how baseball fields are used as uh, compared to some of the rectangular fields. Um, also, um, thank you for clarifying Director Woolridge on the comprehensive schedule changes. Some of those things, uh, the allocation periods are well out in front of some of our um, tryouts and understanding the full depth of our league. So um, those are, are um, very helpful uh, to understand a little bit more and, and have an appreciation for. So with the rest of my time, I guess I just wanted to not just come with, uh, you know, problems or concerns we had. I think those have been laid out and slightly addressed, but um, offer some, some potential solutions. Um, first of all, from what I heard, uh, I don't know what the long-term uh, conversation is around potentially converting some of our grass fields to synthetic fields, but I'd implore the commission to look into some of those options uh, and um, have options for throughout the year. Um, additionally, um, if there is these big reseeding events that need to happen, if there's ever opportunity to allocate budget and looking to uh, support that with contractors, because I know it's hard to support full-time staff um, all year round when a wave of, of work um, is upon you. Uh, and then ask, uh, I would just ask the commission to really, if you haven't had a chance to fully review all of the um, edits and uh, revisions that have been made and sent out this morning, uh, potentially delaying a vote to have more, um, a better understanding of those adjustments um, and have had full understanding of what uh, the community organizations and comments and concerns are, because I'm sure not just Little League has concerns with some of these changes and in their very general uh, state, state. So um, again, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and the three minutes here to speak. Um, I got what I needed to get out within that three minutes. So thank you very much for your time.
Thank you. We have. Do you mind? We have Speaker Carter. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I unmuted. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, I have a cold, so I'm even deeper voice than I think. First of all, I want to really commend Amy um, and her changes in staff that have occurred over the last few years. Uh, I'm with Alameda Vipers and I'm also with Alameda Youth Basketball. I'm representing Alameda Vipers today. And the changes at the gym when staffing, improvements in the gym, floor, restrooms, the list is long and they continue to improve the gym. Um, I do have a question, and uh, my question is, I know last year when we went to gym allocation for winter, which Amy indicated is the heaviest period of time, there was 209 hours that were requested by users and 116 were available. Do you have any of that information for this season, Amy? No, we're, That's uh, fine. we're okay. not talking detailed scheduling. So no, I don't have all okay. of the allocation. My, my point, my reason for asking that is to try, I know we're talking about BMX parks, and I'm all for other sports, but basketball has not added a new court in this town for what I believe is 27 years, not inside, not outside. There's one at a new housing development. And when our kids go to use it, they're run off by the residents and told that it's private. So uh, I don't know if it is or not, but that's the feedback I got on the half court that's there. I'd ask for more basketball facilities. I also concur with uh, Mr. DeMont, uh, sorry, Steve, I do know him, um, in that the information that was just received today is new and edited, and I asked the commission to delay it because perhaps I have more input from the user community related to it. Overall, I don't have many objections to the safety changes and a variety of things, um, but I really didn't actually get the notice that was given to other organizations and it didn't have time to. And I'd like to be able to have a chance to write to each of the commissioners and provide the input um, to them. And again, I think ARPD does a great job. We just don't have enough places. We have athletes and again, we do try to put on our year round basketball program. And the challenge in Alameda is we have two people that have played for our club as young players. One of them is now on scholarship D1 at Stanford, and the other is on scholarship D1 at Pepperdine. Both of those athletes could not stay with our club and parents make their own choices, but part of it is we can't actually do an effective year round club because we cannot use a gym year round. So if anybody wants to talk to me about that offline, I would really love to see some high level athletes come out of Alameda that were actually playing in Alameda when they went on to college. Because if they play here for clubs, they tend to go to high school here and not other places. And that's the end of my time. I thank you, I ask you to delay your vote. If anyone else would like to speak, please raise your virtual hand. Uh, no more speakers. Okay. Uh, at this point, were there any more comments from the commissioners on item 6C, the field allocation policy? Okay. Director, um, if I can make one clarification of what the policy you received this morning that was uploaded, the only difference of that policy and what was posted last Thursday 
um, is the language on the field closure that provides more clarity on the difference of closures for rectangular versus baseball fields. I just want to clarify for the commission, there are no other changes other than that of what was uploaded. Vice Chair Alexander. Uh, I would like to thank the people for their comments today. And yes, it'd be wonderful if we had more facilities in the town for everybody, for sports, for basketball, for everything. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the space. We don't have the money for all of that. Um, I did do my homework and I did um, read the updated forms that came in today along. I printed out the letters that were sent in. So um, I have done my homework and I'm willing to uh, make a decision tonight. Um, if anybody else is in the same boat with me, just let me know. But um, I did look at the revisions and I noticed it was just one small part. So again, I wanna thank staff for taking that into consideration and making the needed changes. Thank you. Commissioner Nguyen, Commissioner Jones, further comment? There. Commissioner Nguyen. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank the public for voicing their opinions. I actually have a number of nieces that went through the Vipers program. So thank you, Speaker. Um, I think it was Carter for mentioning what you said. Um, and I do have nieces going in through the Little, Little League program. So um, I appreciate your comments. It is something that I'm thinking about as I kind of um, consider this decision. So, so thank you for your time and the, the staff for putting this all together. Thank you. I, I just have a, a couple other, I guess, clarification questions. I read through the policy and I understand it as it relates to concussions and the various getting paid for court allocate, like the allocation policy, I understand. Um, I personally have received feedback from people regarding the field closure. And I just wanna be sure I'm not misspeaking when I you know, let people know what has occurred at the meeting. When we talk about six months of the year being closed for rectangular fields, as it were, that's not continuous closures, right? It's a rotating series of closures so that if someone said, you know, effectively only half the year we can play soccer, you're decimating our season. That so, you know, that's, that's feedback we're happy to, to take. Um, and like I mentioned, we would like to get to as short as possible to, to, to mitigate impacts on schedules as much as possible. Um, it's true that, the, the, let me back up. The two months in May, June is, is a really light touch on the fields. Um, and that's when uh, soccer, we don't have much use of the fields. We will make sure if it needs to be later, May into June, July, like that's a time when the fields really aren't used much anyway. Um, so, and it wouldn't be all month, all fields that would be closed during that time. We would be looking at the ones that are the heaviest use that need the most help. So this is, you know, any policy, we're trying to put it as general as possible so that we have room to maneuver with, within that um, because we don't want to be restricted to, we're going to close Rittler Park every year from this date to this date, for example, right? Um, <clears throat> but to really maintain the fields properly, and this is, this is you know, what it takes, uh, not just in our city, but in other cities that are doing it right, it does take um, three to four months in, in the winter. Uh, it would take less time if we could close it um, during the summer, but a lot of our, our you know, fields are used. And, and so it's, it takes longer during the winter because it's not as ideal of a growing season because it's cold. Um, 
so yes, we would be, we are proposing to close the rectangular fields, all, pretty much all of them. Some would be less than others, depending on how much use they get and what kind of condition they're in, but they would be closed for four months. The rotating I was saying is we would like close two of them one week and then two the next week and do it that rotating and then open them up earlier. So in terms of fields available, there is, it gives you about, it means that there's about only about three months that there's no fields available. Does that make sense? It does, thank you. I just want a clarification. I don't play field sports and so I don't understand the maintenance requirements. And so I didn't want to speak out of turn. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say anyone who uh, from the user groups or, or other who who really is saying, look, I don't understand why you got to close it this long. I, I rec encourage them to to call me or call um, our park maintenance staff, um, our, our you know Matt Nolan, who you've met, our park maintenance, our park manager, and uh, Eric Volnar, our park supervisor, both talk to user groups all the time, and they're happy to explain what it takes to maintain the field because. I will say on the back end, we get a lot of grief from user groups about, you know, well, it's it's bare dirt here and it's about the condition of the fields. And what we're saying back is, OK, we'll 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 get it to the condition you want it to be. But this is what it takes. So it's you can't have both. We can keep them open longer the way we have in the past and continue to have big bare spots on our fields or we can close it longer, work uh, with user schedules, and we feel like this works with user schedules fairly well um, to get it to the condition users want it to be. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, last opportunity for comments before we move on. Commissioner Jones. Thank you. Yes, I do have one uh, question. Um, is this a new policy? Um, the the field maintenance closures, if you will, is this a, what did so? Is it a new policy? And if so, what was done? Because I don't recall over the years in the past. Um, did we just you know vet um, user uh, concerns about the field, and now we're putting this policy in place as we move forward? Um, so it's kind of a two part question. What we did in, in prior to this new process. Right, so, so yes, this is in terms of the field closure, this is new, this is longer closure than we've done before. Um, in terms of what we did before is it would, we always closed fields in December and January. Um, so they were always closed for two months. Um, some of them would then get closed every now and then at different times or during the summer. Um, and part of this was, me sitting down with staff saying, look, we need a consistent schedule because when you have a consistent schedule, we can then give it to the users each year instead of like, oh, hey, we were always chasing the problem. This field's in terrible shape. Oh, let's close this. Um, and so that's kind of what was happening in the past is it was closed for a couple months in the winter. It never really got to the shape. They never really got to the shape they needed to be. And then we had constant complaints from the user groups of the issues with the uh, condition of the fields. And then we were constantly chasing down like Tillman, we just closed, um, you know, earlier this fall um, because it was in terrible shape. So we were kind of, like I said, we were chasing the problems. And, and I know uh, I just want to recognize uh, the hand was raised, but but the public comment is now closed. Uh, 
Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, at this point, we have been asked to review and to recommend either approval or not, or changes to the field allocation policy. Does anyone have a motion that they'd like to make? All right. Um, um, oh, go ahead, Adrienne. Um, I like to see if, there, if we can make a motion to um, approve the, the policy as is with the caveat on, on um, if we can just put a star on the field closure schedule. I like to see if there's other public comment that could come in next month if we could revisit it. I'm not sure if that could be a possible motion, but that, that's my motion right now. We have a second to that motion. Vice Chair Alexander, do you have your hand up? I was going to make a different motion. Okay, uh, I don't have a second to the motion, so the motion fails. Was there discussion on the motion? All right. Was there another motion, Vice Chair Alexander? Yes, I'd like to make a motion that we approve the updated athletic facility use and allocation policy. Is there a second to the motion? I'd like to second um, uh, Adrian's motion uh, duly noting the new revision to uh, the field maintenance closure policy. Okay. We have a second approving the motion, a second to the motion approving the field allocation policy. Can I get a roll call vote? Yes. Uh, Chair Jones, sorry, Commissioner Jones. Yes. Commissioner Wynn. No. Uh, Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. And Chair Navarro. Oh, she froze yes. right at the critical. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, motion passes. Great. Uh, the next item on our agenda for the next agenda. Uh, this meeting will be held on Thursday, December 8th. And uh, let's see. In addition to the prioritized project list, was there anything else a commissioner would like to have brought up? Commissioners, Vice Chair Alexander, Commissioner Jones. I don't, I don't have anything to add. No, I don't have anything to add. I don't have anything to add. Okay, Director Wildridge, uh, did you have items that, apart from the prioritized list for the next agenda that you know of? I don't have any other items at this time. Okay. I think that could be a pretty big item though. Correct, okay. Um, all right, let's make sure I have my notes here. All right, and then if there's no further items for the next agenda, can I get a motion to adjourn? 
I motion to adjourn. All right, moved by Commissioner Nguyen. Can I get a second? I second. All right, second by Philly Jones. Can I get a vote? Yes, Commissioner Jones. Yes. Commissioner Nguyen. Yes. Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. And Chair Navarro. Yes. All right. The meeting is adjourned at 8.40 p.m. We'll Great, see thank you. Next month. Thank, thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Good night.